Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the greatest podcast in Edmonton, Alberta, Trident Wargaming. Uh, this week, we're talking a hometown 40K GT recap. We're talking initial impressions of 10th. We're talking uh, how many oo-woos out of 10 we're going to rate hometown. Uh, what we're currently building now that we've seen all the data sheets yep. and uh, where 10th goes. I think we also have some learning lessons of how we might apply some things to our upcoming GT, Iron Within. And if you haven't signed up for it, you need to sign up for it. we still got a couple open slots. It's going to be the biggest, the bestest, the greatest event this year at Edmonton. It's got to have, you know, the best bar service. No one else has bar service, so that's a big W. It's going to have the greatest players, the best TO. And I think by this time, we're going to have a wrap on the rules. So it's going to be good competition, too. If you haven't signed up, make sure you sign up. Before we get into anything else, we need to talk about this week in hobby. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to Bill first. Bill, 10th edition is out. We've had the time to look at some stuff. We've played a game now. What's on your table? What are you building? What are you painting? I've been pushing really hard to get all my uh, Drukhari ready to go for 10th. Um, signed up for that summer league, which has been good motivation. Um, you play your, your, your 10th edition game yet of the summer league? No, I got that coming up here on Thursday. What are you, so, who are you playing against? Uh, Mac Perry, I believe, for my first okay. 10th edition game. Right. So, is he still on Space Marines, Blood Angels? Or does he do something Blood else? Angels, yeah. Yeah. So should be it should be interesting. Yep. Um, I'm just trying to yeah finish up getting Ravagers built. I got two of them done. I'm working on a third one. Uh, they aren't honestly shit to build. Uh, they're beautiful looking models, but just fiddly, dainty, small models. All Drukari are. All Ardari, Aldari are. Um, other than I that, it's dainty. <laughs> they are. They are leaf. They are elegant. I'm not dainty. Graceful. Graceful. Tiny. Fragile. Fra- we got to pick a word Glass that have like. That's canony. They have a, a certain je ne sais twink. <laughs> so uh yeah just been yeah working on a bunch of different stuff like that um working on getting yeah all my different squads ready got a Beastmaster squad i just finished up a uh, bunch of reavers and stuff just really trying to get a, a good feel capitalizing the mobility and the firepower aspect that jukari seemed to be leaning towards um yeah you know we're going to talk about our initial impression of the 10th here in, in one of the segments um before we get there, one of the impressions is that it is a bit more shooty than before. And I actually think the melee aspect, people are going to figure out. I think they're going to see more of that as the edition unfolds, especially with the new terrain and as the mission pack came out. I think that there is a reward for melee armies in there. But as you're building your Drukhar, you're definitely going more of a shooting aspect. You have to watch out for those Blood Angels. Scotty here, as a Blood Angel player, was talking about how, on paper, their faction bonus sucks. Plus one strength is not as good as plus one to boot. But that plus one strength pushes them into that strength six territory, that strength five territory, where stuff actually really starts to matter. Especially for your stuff that's a little bit tougher, and for all your T3 griblies. 
Yeah. If he gets that charge bonus, we're wounded on twos, and then you're picking out stuff and taking it home. It's it's a plus one to wound bonus, I think, more often than people are realizing. So, and hmm. uh, I think that like, well, back in in ninth edition when they first had their plus one to wound, people were playing like three smash captains, and you know one smash captain was out there shrekking a knight. That felt bad on all like all parties. But one captain should not be able to go sanguinous <laughs> a titan, right? Uh, as as in whatever book he does that in, that's fucking wild. Siege of Terror uh, series. Yeah, you know, that is that is dumb. Uh, but that was on the tabletop. I guess maybe that's for the narrative gamers out there. I don't know. It's for it's for the narrative guys, yeah. But uh, because they don't have plus one to wound anymore, you know, Blood Angels aren't just walking up to uh, the T twelve stuff and just slapping it. Not like they used to, at least. Scotty, what's on your table? Actually, this week, uh, the past week, I, I didn't get a whole lot of hobby stuff done because I was just really, really focused on trying to get games of 10th in before I walked myself into a giant GT all weekend. Uh, so aside from, you know, organizing a few things here and there, I, I was more just running games and fucking around on unit crunch and shit like that. Um, I do have some models to show off because I did get to bring Tyson's uh, gorgeous Custodes army with me to um to uh hometown i don't think we're gonna get much focus here but that is what it is but he does have this gorgeous custodes army um which was in some ways a hobby thing i got a whole whole army done out of nowhere just out of the ether um this week i'm back i'm gonna be back at it though so he's actually the secret sponsor of trying to wargaming because (laughs) mysterious uh, yeah so shout out to tyson for getting there uh he maybe deserves you know, the best general, best overall, best Eldari, because his models are present for all of that. He gets he gets all the winnings. Uh, you talk about stat crunch or unit crunch. When you look at new edition stuff, to what extent do you find that, like, playing games is valuable or doing that active research to figure out, uh, no, I do want this unit to deal with this perceived threat, and this one is better than this one, and I want to take these instead. Where, where do you, how do you, how do you prep like that? Uh, playing games is way more important for sure. It always, and it's always going to be. Um, and I actually think that especially if you are a less experienced gamer or a gamer who doesn't get to play very often, there's, you're not even going to know what to put into an algorithm or unit crunch or how to math hammer because you're going to be making false assumptions about what's going to be happening on the table. So you definitely need to do that. Uh, I actually, I don't usually use unit crunch a whole ton. I, you know, in ninth, I'd use it here and there if I wasn't familiar with the matchup just to try to give myself a reference point. Uh, but I do do it a lot going into 10th just because so many profiles changed all over the place. And I wanted to, especially with all the, there was a lot of overreactions with 10th, uh, both positive and negative. Um, you like really added it right now. <laughs> um, and I wanted to just get a, a frame of reference for what actually you know, certain units would do or what they could handle or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I've done a lot of that. Uh, I'll be doing less of it in the future now that I've got, you know, a decent number of games under me and that I did, you know, sim some stuff. But uh, it can be a good tool. It's like so many other things. It's a good tool. You should use it, but you need to know how to use it, you know? So for listeners out there who have never heard about this, who don't know what we're talking about, what is it called? Unit Crunch, which you can literally look up uh, I think you can punch unit crunch into Google and that would literally get it for you. It's a, it's basically just a math hammer device. 
Uh, it's unitcrunch.com is the is the uh, website, and it allows you to build units uh, mathematically, like label all their weapons and stuff, and it allows you to put all the modifiers in that you might expect, like rerolls and cover and all that crap that you might think comes up in buffs and shit, and lets it gives you a mathematical breakdown statistically of what will this unit do to this unit when it attacks it, and just kind of gives you a, an idea. Which is a really good thing, so that when it happens on the table and you don't kill the thing you're supposed to, you can be fucking disappointed. Yeah, yeah, and also so that you don't get ideas that oh yeah, this thing will definitely deal with this threat for me when statistically that might not be true, or yeah. or maybe it will. You know, uh, one of my wins on this weekend uh, had a little bit of casino math to it. I was playing Gene Sutherland, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, where. Uh, um, I had the opportunity to Overwatch, and if I didn't, I was going to lose some very important things. Mathematically speaking, the Overwatch does not pick up the genes to their cult. You'd need to roll a 6 to hit, i need to roll 6 to have wounds, i need to pick up lots of mortals. Uh, and, and I knew that I'm probably not going to get there, but if I do get off there, there's huge reward. So, <laughs> one of the interesting things is you can math hammer everything you all want. When things are swinging, especially, there's wild variance. And I think uh, if people aren't listening, like if, if if they don't know that particular thing, when swing can happen, sometimes it's worth it. Well, that's when you where need it. when you need it. Yeah, that's where the game sense is. That's what you get from playing the games is knowing when it is smart to make a gamble and when it's not. You know, gamble every uh, day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck, uh, I'm playing. That's why you play the games. I'm playing Boomer Hammer, man. I've never used a unit crunch or anything like that before. I too am dandy. interested in checking this out. Maybe you can give us a run through tutorial one day. Yeah, I'll do a I'll do a video for you guys. Uh this weekend hobby, uh uh it was my actually my last week of teaching. School just let out, so it was a very busy week. And uh I had already painted up the the D cannon support, the fire cannon support, the fire prism. Uh, all the busted shit you've been hearing on the internet. And uh, we had a, a huge tournament coming up. And I had a bit of a, like, d decision list paralysis. Because uh, we all know that Wraith Knights were wild busted. But I don't own any. And Friday at 3 o'clock. Hours before list submission. Uh, hours before the tournament. I'm like. I I'm going to build and paint a Wraith Knight. This, this is happening. <laughs> and so, you know, we set the speed run timer. We uh we had to label out like you know the speed run targets for each of the sections, and we speed run to Wraith Knight, and it, it it worked out. We got battle ready, uh, we we were not paint ready, but I did manage to get a, a Wraith Knight. I even magnetized all the arms. Thank you very much. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was next part of level, run. bro. Got some. I got a PB right there. Quite the job for twelve hours. <laughs> and uh, I was up extremely late, but it ended up being really worth it. Uh, I didn't get dick all done for hobby that week other than the Wraith Knight, but now that I'm not teaching little gremlins, man, I got 10 Striking Scorpions built, I got 20 Warp Spiders over here, I got Illic, I got Rangers, like, you know how much China Forge is on the desk over there? So much. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you can't even buy Illic, he's not even on the web store. But he's gonna be a mandatory inclusion in every single Eldar list until the Lone Operative gets nerfed. And I'm just wondering, yeah. like, what is GW thinking? Yeah. Yeah, well, we talked a bit about Lone Operative. Uh, last time around, as one of our problematic rules that are in the game right now. So we'll see. And, well, I, I lost uh, a game at Hometown because of Lone Operative, and we'll talk about that in the future. Before sure. we get into that, what I want to talk about is initial impressions of 10th. Uh, 
you know, we've now played between one, Bill, and uh, ten, Scotty, myself, games of 10th edition. Uh, we've had times to play out the things that Scotty was talking about, how you get the, the real game sense from playing games. So I just want to, you know, have a quick round table about our initial impressions. Things we like, things we love, maybe some things that we're like, I'm not so sure, and you cannot talk about lone operative towering or dev wounds. That's that's a disallowed topic that's forbidden. Uh, I want like a hot take that's not those things, things you don't like that you're not sure about. Uh, some some real content, no art of war tier lists allowed. So I'm gonna throw it over to Scotty this time first. Um, initial impressions of tenth, how are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. Um, I you know as we talked about before, I I have relatively high hopes for tenth. I think that the framework there is there for a really 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 good game. Um, there's a lot of bugs to work out right now, but I'm confident that they will be. Um, I feel like the main things with 10th, like the, if I were to pick just one or two things that are just really, really, I feel are the best improvements in 10th, one of them would be uh, game flow, which you're definitely not necessarily going to notice the first few times you play 10th, probably. Um, but once you get to 5, 10 games, and I'm sure as you keep going, like I feel like the game naturally flows much better and faster. Um, and I'm I'm especially jazzed about that. If if it is possible that we get to the point where a game of 40k, a standard 2k game, is taking two and a half hours instead of three or three and a half, I am going to be elated, and almost anything else that could have happened will be worth it. Um, because I think making the game a little more accessible time wise makes events so much easier to run, uh, and I think that it's it's just good in general. Uh, so one thing there is just definitely game flow and speed. Um, and simplicity, which is a big part of that. Um, not to say the game is simple, um, because there is still a lot of complexity, which is good. But um, that would be that would be probably the number one thing. And then the second thing that I actually kind of like, uh, or consider an improvement, I guess, over ninth is, uh, and <laughs> this is going to sound stupid because I know we're going to have issues about it later, is interacti interactive ability. Um, there are issues in 10th that specifically are around non-interactive plays and non-interactive units. However, they are largely limited to a relatively small group of uh, matchups. And the majority of matchups actually do have way more interactivity than they used to. Um, and that's an incredibly important thing in a game like this. I think 99% of the time when people are bitching about the state of the game, they're bitching about something that is non-interactive. Um, and that's what we're doing now with the things that are wrong with the game. But I see a world in six months or so from now where the game is the most interactive it's ever been. And that has me very, very uh, excited. Well, we're sitting on the precipice of a fact. James Games Workshop, James Workshop even, uh, has specifically emailed out to the Tacoma players for the US Open that there is going to be a fact this week. They're going to address uh, Eldari Fate Day specifically. They mentioned uh, indirect shooting, and indirect. they talked about towering in their video. Um, before we get into Bill's impressions of tenth, here's my like, you know, in in fifty seconds, rapid fire. What do you? What's your predictions? What are they going to change in those particular issues? Like, what uh, do you think the Games Workshop fixes? Fate days goes down to six. Nobody gets towering. Indirect is not getting. Yeah, for indirect, I think the the easy money suggestion is just that they revert indirect the way it worked in ninth. Uh, that would be what I'd bet on. Is yeah, well, for for sure, changing the hit penalty back to a ballistic skill penalty. Uh, do they make it plus one armor? Maybe like that, that would be better so that it stacks with cover. 
but I don't know whether or not they actually go down that road. But I definitely see the hit penalty changing. For Fate Dice, the two obvious answers that not obvious because they've done this before are to reduce the total number, just nice and simple, or you know to uh, to make it so that they are limited to one you know one per phase per unit kind of thing. Same way Miracle Dice work right now. What are they? Um, there are. Sorry, they nerfed them. La- Harlequin Laughing God Dice. Yeah, they, uh, they nerfed them twice, and I don't remember what happened first. The first time they just reduced the number. Is the use you had a starting number, yeah. and when they first nerfed them, they nerfed it to zero. You start with nothing, and then you just gain them through the game. So anyway, there are lots of ways to fix fate dice. What they actually do is up in the air, but that that would be my guess. I actually uh, I'm skeptical that they do do a change to towering right away. Um, I know they mentioned it. Maybe they do change it. It's very easy for them to change it just to revert it back to the way it was, or make it not count for now, or whatever. I would be surprised, though, if they did, because I feel like they probably, like, it's a big rule that they probably want to dick around a little bit with. And I actually think that the issues with knights that people are seeing, uh, only so much reference towering. I think knights are strong for other reasons besides towering. I think we can see that in the win rate difference between chaos knights and imperial knights. Um, But, you know, who knows? Maybe they will throw something in there. Uh, I'd much, as we, as we said, I'd much rather they change lone operative. I feel like that's a more concerning problem right now, but I don't think the majority of people have experienced why it's problematic yet. Maybe not. I think they're focusing on like the, the big takes about like, wow, fire prisms are 20 points too cheap and wraith knights are wild and the knights blow up everything. Uh, without realizing that like the gene stealer cult saboteur that has lone operative that does fucking between four and six mortals to you when you come within 12 and then like still doesn't fucking die is more of a problem than uh you know than perceived yeah billy you've now played one game of 10th edition you've talked a lot of 10th edition i know you're going to cover some of this uh in your conversation with andy yeah but just like overall initial impressions broad strokes how you feeling uh overall really good and and before you go you have the unique perspective of uh being the expert here with most systems played okay like you play heresy you play titanicus you play uh other stuff um some bolt action right so like with that in mind how you feeling about 10th edition as a system as a system, I do like the refresh take. Like, I never really got a ton of games in ninth. I got a decent amount, but, like, kind of mid-teens, I think, overall. Um, tenth plays tenth plays pretty good. Uh, it's a lot of fun, just the way that the army seems to play now. Like, from my game in ninth when I played uh, Jordan to my first game of tenth, it feels night and day for me. Um, just... My army doesn't hit super hard, but it neither does a lot of stuff that I was playing against. It didn't hit me hard either. Um, units tend to live a little bit longer. The shooting was still really good. Uh, combat, even though I got charged, like I still died in combat, right? Very glass cannon feel, uh, which is fine. I know you, you warned me about that with T3, so... Um, <laughs> It's definitely something to get used to. It's not power armor, that's for sure. Uh, but I, I think, I think overall, tenth is yeah, tenth is going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, it's going to go well, um, especially getting more practice on the uh, battle app and using the um, tactical objectives and stuff like that. Actually, I, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 
Uh, and did you feel, uh, last time we talked, I pretty much told you that 10th edition is essentially uh, contest middle objectives. And uh, armies that can contest those middle objectives are going to score higher on primary, and they're going to have more options when it comes to dealing with those random secondaries that come up. Was that your experience, that those middle objectives matter? Uh, I would say, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, especially when you have to do some of these, you know, hold two in no man's land and uh, kind of bounce around the board. If you've got the mobility to be able to achieve that, I think tactical is the way to go. Honestly, like it was, it was pretty good. Uh, the game I played last, last tactical objective I got was to score the enemy's um, objective. And at the time he had, he made it sticky. He was off of it. I was able just to swoop in there last turn and score it off of him. And that was eight BP. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty sweet. Like I, I liked that a lot actually. Um, also it felt good because I had the mobility. So I think it depends on your army as well. Yeah. So. For, uh, for listeners out there who haven't played a lot of 10th, um, who listen to us because they like the occasional like tip or, or trick. Uh, here's, here's two. The first one is middle objectives matter. Uh, yeah. They give you options, and options are what win games. Even if you're playing an army that's highly mobile, like Dark Eldar, or less mobile, like maybe Custodes. So you need to find a way to get on those middles and hold them. Secondly, here's a trick for any army that has a fire and fade type mechanic. Most of them no longer require you to fire. <laughs> Alright, so if you get, like, go into corners... And you have Shroud Runners, well, let's move 14. Let's advance 6 inches with a Fate Dice. Now we're moving 20. And let's use Fire and Fade. And we'll go another, uh, whatever it is. I think I think it's a full normal move. So I think you get to go another it's normal 14. normal move, yeah. So now, That's all wild. of a sudden, we're uh, 14, 28, 32 into a corner. And we're doing an action. As long as you are uh, still have you know the eligibility to shoot with that rider to do the action or whatever. Um, hey, let's uh, let's not give the Eldar too much help here. I don't. Uh... This is for the Dark Eldar players out there, but there are a couple yeah. armies with fire and fade mechanics. Like I think Tau has one. Um, I'd have to read there specifically, but there's just a little tip that uh, you know, on Reddit right now, for those of you who are on like Warhammer Competitive or anything like that, or if the name McWerp means anything to you, there are a few uh, players out there who are like pointing out like just laundry list of things that there are like no rules for. Or that need a fact. Um, and like, for example, here's another tip. Um, many missions require you to be able to do an action. Uh, or require you to be able to be eligible to shoot. If you advance and you have an assault weapon, you are technically eligible to shoot. Now they did kind of address that in their uh, playable fact. Uh, being like, what is eligible to shoot? But specific rules override other ones. So that one is kind of contested in some online communities. Some. 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 What are your takes on that, Scotty? Can you, can you uh, if you have an assault weapon, can you advance and be eligible to shoot? I mean, I was doing that all weekend, so I hope so. Me too. But, like, really, as, as it is currently worded, yes. In general, actions right now are easier, or the activity which passes for an action uh, is easier than it was in, in ninth. Um, I think by design, though. I think they wanted it to be easier. To be honest with you, at least that's my take. I, but uh, hey, maybe that'll be addressed in this FAQs this week. I doubt it, but <laughs> maybe. Um, my initial impressions of of, uh, of tenth are, uh, I actually really like it, and I, I was dooming on tenth really hard 
Uh, I got a lot of shit from from Scotty and some of our group chat mates. Uh, once upon a time, said it was the worst edition ever. Uh, that it was going to be fundamentally worse than ninth. Uh, that there's going to be huge issues, and there are huge issues. But I think the game, as Scotty mentioned, as a whole, actually plays a bit smoother. Um, that not having laundry lists of stratagems. You know, you can tell your opponent, you can ask to see their stratagems before the game, and there's like four, of which two matter. Like, uh, what does Gene Slayer Cult do? They can deep strike within three inches. Cape check. I need to know that. Um, what do custodies do? They can fight first in like fucking whenever they want. Cape check. I need to know that. So like the list of gotchas that you have to have a pregame conversation about is much much shorter. Um, we actually had the opportunity to play. Uh, the new match play missions, including the suggested terrain deployment all throughout the weekend. And I'm actually a huge uh, supporter of player place terrain because if you have player place terrain, your army's never going to get, like, just dicked. You're never going to lose turn one. Um, well, <laughs> depending on what you're playing against, you're never going to lose turn one because you didn't have access to terrain unless they had, like, massive towering or something like that, but that's a whole other issue. Uh and actually, I didn't feel that with the, the new missions and the new terrain placement that I was getting dicked on terrain. I felt like I had adequate terrain. Part of that is because Hometown has pretty good terrain. But without having to do player place terrain, it actually sped the game up quite a bit. Scotty talked about how, you know, in a perfect world, we get these games to two and a half hours. Um, yeah, if we can reduce like decision making like that and we can have two and a half hour games, that's wonderful. I don't think people are going to be playing two and a half hour games casually on their Thursday night gaming club because I think you're still going to be drinking beer and shooting the shit and it's going to be three, four hours, and that's fine. But if we're talking a tournament Warhammer, finding a way to speed it up from that three hour mark is important. Absolutely. Uh, other final initial impression of the 10th on my end is I like how quick Games Workshop is responding to things. Yeah, uh, for those of you who didn't know, um, like they, they, they saw community response from their live stream games like when the Art of War people played Eldar versus uh, Imperial Guard, and uh, people were fucking flipping out over support weapons. When they released the indexes digitally, they changed them automatically to single use instead of one to three. And they actually upped the points from that like initial content creator, who people who only had the, the points from like 55 to like 95. So they hot fact stuff like rapidly. And yeah. with an entirely digital rule set, even though you can still go by index cards, their ability to hot fact stuff is even more powerful than before. And if they are setting themselves up to be responsive to ongoing issues, to tournament results, to data, that's a really big step for them because they've never been like that before. Yeah, absolutely. That's just my thoughts. And that's one more reason to be positive about the, the coming release. So, that's it. Um, so, uh, as we get into the next part here, uh, we talked about hometown a lot. Scotty and I are going to talk about, uh, you know, hometown matches in uh, 50 seconds, I guess. Uh, so the gimmick is, it doesn't actually have to be 50 seconds, but like, um, you know, what army did you play? Uh, you know, quick recaps of the uh, of the armies that you played against, and then wrapping it all off, how you feel about the uh, the hometown GT. How many uwus? How many oohs? Yeah, well, we'll get into that. If you can rate hometown out of ten, uh, how many thumbs up? How many oohs? Um, how many uh, you know cat girls? Whatever your particular measurement is, um, uh, how how do you measure things, Bill? That big. 
<laughs> so we'll turn it to Scotty first. Uh, okay. Just hometown in uh, 50 seconds. Oh, shit. My, my round's in 50 seconds, hopefully. Uh, yeah, round. hometown was great. Hometown was great. I mean, it's always... I've, I've had the, the chance to attend two hometowns now, and both have been spectacular. Uh, I really loved Laurier Laurie Heights Community Center. It's a wonderful space uh, for 40K. Uh, and it's always pretty crisply run. Uh, Tom and Steve do an excellent job. <clears throat> so uh, this year, I, uh, <laughs> I had the joy of playing into three Imperial Knight players, as well as an Eldar and, uh, and a Chaos Daemons player. Uh, my first round was against Ward, Ward Kapach, who's, of course, legendary throughout, all throughout Edmonton. Uh, wonderful guy. I have never actually had a chance to play him, despite knowing him, you know, almost 20 years, I feel like. Uh, so this is my first time to play him against his beautiful Imperial Knights. He was running a triple Warden list with some uh, some Armagers, um, which was actually also my first game against Knights in, in 10th. Um, Ward, it was his first game of 10th period, so he was still kind of figuring things out a little bit, but of course he's a veteran gamer, so like, you know, he, he more or less knew what he was doing. That game went in my favor pretty quickly, just partially, I think, because of the deployment we were on uh, corners. That mission always, that or that, that deployment type always is very handy for combat-centric armies, like my custom. Did you get a turn one charge? I, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I actually think I got two turn one charges because uh, he had a Vindicare that was infiltrated, uh, and I had the one unit that can advance and charge, so that was two different. But uh, yeah, he he did deploy pretty aggressively, um, and which I don't, I don't think it was wrong per se. But you know, there's an 18 inch gap in between our deployments, which makes being aggressive a lot easier. And once you get custodes on top of knights, it tends to kind of tends or to kind of snowball that way. Or anything. Uh, but Wardens do have the minus one damage thing going, which made it much much more of a game than it might have otherwise been. But it was wonderful anyway. Uh, game two, I played against Brendan Bartok's Daemons. That was uh, always fun. Uh, Brendan's a great guy. Um, but also, I just love combat armies on combat army matchups because it's literally always a turn to nuclear detonation in the middle of the board. Uh, they just kind of move into each other and everybody tries to pull off all their shenanigans right away. And one guy walks away from it, usually with a very slanted score, even though the game's probably pretty close. But that just happens because everything dies on turn two, and the guy who's got anything left racks up the score the rest of the game. Uh, so we had a good time. Uh, it, I love playing against Daemons in general. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Uh, game three, I played against Martin Hill with his Imperial Knights, uh, which are quite a bit different from Ward's. Uh, Martin runs a few of the Forge World fellows, including a gigantic Porphyrion, which is a wicked fun model. Um, that one... Uh, went a little differently than Ward because Martin played a little bit more conservatively, uh, conservatively, but we were also playing Deploy Servo Skulls, which is a mission we will not necessarily talk about here because you guys don't need me to rant for three hours. But I don't think it's a particularly good competitive mission, let's just put it this way. And I think that the Knights vs. Custodes matchup on that mission is pretty slanted in the Custodes' favor. And that's kind of how it how it shook out on the table. But Martin's such a wonderful person to play against that we had a ton of fun anyhow. Uh, day two... Game four, uh, I got to play my second or third game against Eldar this uh, edition, which has always been no fun at all. Uh, <laughs> not on the part of the Eldar players, but just the Eldar in general. I actually, for what it's worth, uh, not to completely rag on Eldar here or their current state, I actually think Eldar will be a good matchup into Custodes even after Eldar are nerfed and brought down to a bit, brought down to Earth a bit. Uh, they just naturally pair up pretty well versus aggressive armies. Um, and Custodes, as you mentioned, aren't super fast. They're, they more count on their durability to get them to combat. 
so Eldar, Eldar is a tough matchup at the best of times, and uh, of course, right now it's not the best of times to be playing against Eldar. So that one, that one got away from me pretty quickly. That was Riley's, Riley Tremblay's Eldar. Um, so he took the W on that one, but uh, it was, it's still like the thing about Elder that I can say about this edition is every list I've played has been actually quite notably different, um, which is awesome because it shows you the book has some depth and that actually is really cool. And I'm actually really hopeful for a lot of books to hopefully have some internal competitions and good depth. Uh, so that was fun because it was still kind of a new experience. Um, and then my last game, I ended up playing against uh, Ryan, Ryan McLeod, our own Trident's Ryan McLeod and his chaos knights who once again were quite a bit different from the other two night lists that i played a very shooty chaos list um and he played me very very well actually i i think he he had a thought in his head about how he wanted that mission to go and he executed it very well and it was actually quite close gamble at the start because the mission you guys were playing is where you got to place objectives and uh you also get to uh place the one in the deployment zone so he rolled uh to place the objective he placed it covered in terrain well, you placed yours in the open. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was kind of his thought pattern. Was I mean, as a night player, he doesn't really care if his objectives in the open. Yeah. Um, and whereas if he had won the defender roll off, which he ended up doing, he could make it so that I had to have an objective in the open, which I obviously don't want. I'm using little thirty-five point exaction squads to hold things. Um, so yeah, he he actually played the pregame very well. He played deployment very well, and he actually played the game very well, too, because he knew to just back off, back off, back off. At some point, if you came by that table on turn three, you saw like five knights on his backboard edge. He just completely backed off, which normally would not, doesn't sound like a great idea, especially as you were saying with this whole idea of hold the midboard. Um, but he knew that it was it was limiting my ability to move as well, because I, you know, I, I can only get on top of things so quickly. Uh, and he did have one corner where he was able to hold a, a midfield objective. Uh, anyway, the game actually ended eighty-five to eighty, I think, in my favor. It was it was very close. Um, so and just a wonderful way to end your weekend. <clears throat> so my games were all top to bottom very fun, uh, mostly fairly competitive games. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely a good way to uh, catch myself up on tenth and the way the tenth works. Uh, there was lots of learning happening all weekend, just little things, big things, strategy things. Now you played um, both Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights. You actually maybe have more of a unique experience of the knight matchup than maybe other people do. Um, player skill aside, is it true that Imperial Knights are just straight out better than Chaos Knights? Um, yes, I do. I think that Chaos Knights have a trick or two that they actually, you know, a competent player can really, really use to drive home uh, some success, but. Like you are skating uphill a bit with them compared to the Imperial Knights, just for the passive stuff that Imperial Knights do. Um, and I think the Chaos Knights naturally, a lot of their strengths are going to lie in being a more aggressive knight player, which I think is just inherently a less good way to play knights. Because um, the addition is more shooty right now. Yeah. Yeah. Which we've kind of touched on a little bit. So uh, when you have to lean into that as your strength, it's already kind of not good uh and there's just of course so much of their buffs are conditional and and things just like that they don't get as much much free shit let's put it that way and their gaddling um, doesn't do mortals that's a great example yeah uh just little things and it's like it really is nickel nickel and dime across the whole army there's no one thing it's just nickel and dime that they're just a little bit worse here a little bit worse here a little bit worse here a little bit more work for the same thing here you one know more like that before you uh get into your rating of hometown mm-hmm the rapid fire battle cannon. 
or as I like to call it, the rapid-fire bullshit cannon. How much of an impact did it have in your games, and is it as bullshit as I think it is? Uh, it's not, as I've as I've argued all along. Uh, <laughs> I do think it's a good gun. I like I like I would not change anything about it from a game design perspective. But it's not going to mow down the field uh, just because of the nature of having one AP. You know, what if it had dev wounds? Um, maybe uh, that. I mean, like it fires enough shots and it has a pretty high, pretty high damage value. So I can definitely see that being a, a problematic thing. To even the field. Uh, well, you can email GW about that. Let them know and uh, tell me how it goes for you. <laughs> All right. Now, overall, uh, if if you're gonna ooh super hard for hometown daddy, um, how many oohs do you give it out of ten? Like, like, uh, well, hometown overall. Um, the entire experience, the games, the terrain, the premium FLG tables, the prize support, the cost of your ticket, uh, the food, the organization, their response to 10th edition facts. Um, out of 10, what do you rate it? Uh, eight and a half, maybe nine. Uh, I'll, really like, high. honestly, yeah, yeah, quite high. Um, I think that specifically this year, Hometown got handed a little bit of a shit sandwich by GW, uh, just because of the timing. Well, um, they're forced to play that, and that, Nobody wants to yeah. play ninth anymore. Yeah, and that's something that I'm factoring into that. Um, there are things that I might have liked to have been better, but I'm not expecting the organizers to have followed through on those types of things that I would have liked to have been better because of the time frame. You know, they they were honestly. I think they did great, just considering how much shit they had to basically pull out of their ass last minute. Like GW was releasing rules that we used for this weekend right up till like Wednesday or Thursday of, of it was last Thursday. Week. Yeah, yeah. So so I think that they did incredibly on that front. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the GW uh, layout terrain layouts, for example. I think you they're good. Don't get me wrong. Army could be um i actually think some of them are actually fine for melee armies though um but like i'm not gonna hold it against them to use them because i think they will get used for at least a little while as people try them out and i actually think they'll probably stick around because players do benefit a lot from having consistent terrain that they can play on they're used to playing with especially less experienced players uh because they'll have been deploying in that before uh well, i too am like, a fan of player place but player place terrain was a different skill set you had yep. to have practiced it. You needed to know how you wanted to interact with your army. Um, and if you hadn't done that going into it, you could fuck your terrain up royally and then lose the game because of it. So yep. on one hand, it, it might be a good thing that it's not there. Um, and I also, I I really, I'm not a huge, like, I would have loved for, for a TOs to be able to make some hot fixes to the game for just, like, the really out there kind of shit. But I never holded that against the TO for not doing it because I know that nine times out of ten you just create more problems than you solve uh, and you piss off you piss off your players it can all be a lot of trouble so it goes viral like that uh, that one GT um, in, in England <laughs> right? either, they decided yeah. to outrank yeah. ban Eldar which frankly is and it, it, I hate to say it uh, Eldar plays an entirely different game that's a, that's a fair uh, assumption I think you yeah. know, in the right hands and, and, and in the right hands it was unbeatable at hometown with, with Riley Trombley's list yeah so. so I think, like, overall, like, the things that I would complain about were not things that I would hold against the people running it. Uh, it makes me not want to give it a perfect score because I can't say I had a perfect weekend, but the reason why is is more GW than anything. Really, I did have a very enjoyable weekend. Um, my, my games felt great. 
I felt things were extremely well run. Edmonton has an amazing community uh, of gamers where, you know, you just know nine times out of 99 times out of 100, you're going to have a great game no matter who you get drawn up against. Uh, food was great. Beer was wonderful. So I think and everything ran pretty smoothly, even though they were, you know, <laughs> a lot of times trying to figure out even round times, like what's a good round time. We're going to try some stuff out and things still ran smoothly. So I don't know if I saw any games come to and like I didn't see all the games, mind you. Any games come to the point where someone lost because they lost on clock time. Yep. Which yep. might be like a uh, uh, like a, a 10 star review for the edition mm -hmm. for, for Games Workshop. If your yep. brand new game can go to tournament time with inexperienced players and the crazy motherfuckers playing Dean Sealer Cult, like. <laughs> and, uh, and I think it'll only get better. So, how about you? How was your hometown, Arthur? All right. So, matches in 50 seconds. Um, I played two rounds of Space Marines, different Space Marines, both shooty Space Marines. I did play Gene Slither Cult. I played the Eldar list, uh, the same one that Scotty lost into. I also lost into. I think actually Scotty played a better game into it than I did. And uh, what was my last matchup? Tau. Uh, what, yeah. Rail side Tau. Um, game one was against Tau. Uh, I was playing Eldar, and I was playing a variation of Eldar that had two Wraith Knights. Uh, I played two Wraith Knights, two Fire Prisms, three D Cannons. Um, some support for it, and uh, some fast shit, so like Warwalkers and Shroudrunners. And if I was to pick, like, maybe one unit that was the most important linchpin to my list all weekend, it's either the Warwalkers or the Shroudrunners. And everyone's pointing at the Wraith Knight saying, that's why you're winning. But it wasn't. It wasn't. The players that picked up the Warwalkers and Shroudrunners made me really fucking scratch my head for how I was going to get on those center objectives and score points. But every time, and like, you do kind of have to deal with the Wraith Lance, otherwise they're going to pick your shit up. Um, but it's a choice of, like, you know, picking their shit up or uh, tanking my score. So, um, round one was against Tau. And uh, one of the things that I think I, I needed to realize going into my final game is that uh, first turn matters a lot. And where you're worried about someone shooting you to death, being able to strategic reserve something was important. So against the uh, the rail sides, my opponent had nine broadsides with railguns and support to guide them all, which can strip your cover and give them a bonus to hit. And I think they're heavy, so they could be like hitting on twos or some bullshit. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's actually something that can capably take out wraith lanes. Uh, I so I reserved a uh, a wraith lane, knowing that like maybe he'll kill one, but the other one can come back and pick up some stuff. Uh, in the end, I went first, and I think I picked up like five or six out of the nine broadsides. Broadsides are not easy to kill. They have a 2-up save, uh, a 1-up in cover, obviously. Uh, and with the shield drones, they have like 10 wounds each, and I think they're T6. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, dev wounds and, and really good fate dice is kind of problematic. Uh, my, my rule of thumb for fate dice, as they are right now, is if I don't roll 3 sixes, I re-roll. I want more than 2. If I roll 2 and I roll otherwise good dice like I did against Scotty's game when we played Scotty's versus Custodies, where I only rolled one dice that was less than a 4, yeah, I'm keeping those. But uh, just having those reliable sixes is important. Um, Sean Ford was a wonderful player. He didn't complain at all about the oppressive, oppressive beatdown I gave him. Um, he took the dick in like a good little girl, and then we went home. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't know how many oo's he's going to rate that match Jesus. up. I, uh, I gave him a little back rub after. Uh, I hope so. It was a great game. Um, my game two, I played against Pendleton Cox's Space Marines, and Pendleton is like the ultimate gentleman. He was more concerned with uh, getting us beers and coffees than uh, the outcome on the table. And I actually don't remember who went first in that game, as I'm thinking about it right now. I think he might have. 
But uh, likewise, I put a Wraith Knight in Strategic because he had some pretty good shooting. Uh, Space Marines have good data sheets when it comes to some large-scale shooting. And with the Oath of Moment rerolls and the Eradicator mini rerolls and the Gulliman get another Oath of Moment reroll, uh, I think they really have the ability to like um, compound their shooting to pick up big targets. And that might be why Ultramarines are scoring like a bit higher on the win percentage than other flavors of Space Marine. Mm. Um, so uh, I did go second, but I deployed my Wraith Knight as far back on the table, and so some of his 36-inch range just couldn't get it. And then he moved into some of my D-cannon range, trying to get out of the center objectives. And I was able to really just uh, pick up things that were challenging. And then I was able to kind of exploit low operative to place objectives down, because that was one of the missions where you have to place new objectives. Uh, and my, my, my Autark could just place an objective, sit on it, not get challenged, and then run away if I do get challenged. Uh, so I ended up taking that one. Uh, game three, I played another member of Nemesis Gaming, uh, Michael Blanchett. And Michael is famous for playing three Astriuses, that big fuck-off space brain tank. This time he only brought two, but he brought a lot of Gladiator Lancer support. Um, and, and the things to make that list kind of work. He was, I think, uh, the only player I played who picked up both Wraith Knights. Um, yeah. And, like, pretty easily. Uh, this was another game where I reserved a Wraith Knight. It seemed to be an important thing. And uh, I was able to, like, just... Uh, I went first. And on first turn, I was able to pick up, like, one Lancer and one Astrius with, like, Fire Prism and, and a Wraith Knight shooting, uh, largely due to Fate Dice, uh, and just Alpha Strike harder. On his clapback, he did pick up a Wraith Knight, but then when my other Wraith Knight dropped, I was able to pick up uh, more Space Marines. And uh, it, it almost felt like the, like, we could all agree that Eldar is busted, but to some extent, like, Marines having to pay for their two wounds and resilience was, like, a, they just did not have enough things to contest. Right, they weren't quite tough enough to stand up to my shooting. Uh, they didn't have the durability that they're paying for here, and I I don't know if other Marines are going to feel like that into every army, or if that's just a unique LR perspective. It's probably more a unique LR perspective, um, but the game ended up being kind of a blowout for me. Um, so at the end of day one, actually, I think all of the members of Trident Wargaming were undefeated going into day two. We were all uh, tournament in winning position, right? So like, hats off to Trident. We got some good players under our banner. Uh, after that, I played Jinsurkult. Uh, Kieran, another member of Nemesis Gaming. I got almost the full tour of Nemesis Gaming. And I think the big takeaway of that is Jinsurkult Cult is fucking wild. Yeah. It's, uh, if you haven't played them before, their, their, their battle line units automatically come back when they die. Well, they come back as a blip, but they're going to put them in such a place that you're probably not going to be able to go get that blip. And uh, they can Congo line their guys. Other reanimation has, like Necron reanimation and stuff, has caveats in that you have to be in like coherency with the other guys, and you can't Congo line onto new objectives. Uh, Jinx of their cult doesn't have that, and so you think you kill their things, and you think they're going to get put back on their board edge, but then they keep coming back closer and closer and closer, and all of a sudden you're still staring down twenty neophytes, which really aren't that scary, but they like they hit on fours and fives, but their special weapons in the squads actually do damage. Uh, that game ended up being the closest game I played all weekend. Um, Mostly because of saboteurs and long operative on his end, I just couldn't kill him, and uh, I'd end up sneaked out a victory. I think Eldar more likely is going to win that matchup, but uh, he said he played other Eldar and he beat them that weekend, right? And uh, he ended up winning best general at the end of it, so he mm -hmm. played a very very good tournament. Hats off to Kieran, he's a wonderful player. Uh, my final game was against the big boss, uh, Riley Trombley, and probably one of the best renditions of an Eldar list you could currently make. Um, you know, uh, I, I did not get a room full of potions and 
consumables before we get in. I just got the big bad boss music. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, I had to try to kill God. And uh, my, my strategy going in was I thought I could uh, just like deploy super aggressively and hope for a first turn win. Uh, and I underestimated the amount of lone operative in his list. And I didn't realize how important that was. Um, I did end up going first. Uh, and I had uh, deployed too conservatively for the aggressiveness that I want. I ended up picking up like a night spinner and some other small change. Um, but I couldn't get a handle on the rangers and the illic brick. His autark, even though my shrubbunners had a little bit of it, he had fate nice to save it. Uh, he picked up that stuff in his turn. And then from there on, he only really put out the stuff out of range of, uh, like, lone operative to sit on those middle objectives. And by turn three, it was decided that, like, I couldn't remove that stuff. If I tried to get close, I was going to get picked up by, like, D-cannons. And I didn't have, like, combat stuff that could get there and not care. And uh, he ended up taking it. I think, honestly, Riley just had a lot more experience in the mirror. I think that if you compare our two Eldar lists, um, mine is better into the field, into everything else we played against. But his is better into the mirror. By a large margin. And I think at a tournament like this, where like you're playing Eldar, your only competition is really other Eldar, that's probably the better metagaming list decision. Yeah, it's it's savvy, I think. Yeah, uh, it was a good game. Otherwise, uh, he was you know fairly gentleman. Like we both learned things that game. Uh, he he reminded me that Shroud Runners have a five up invul, which I didn't read in the data sheet, and I reminded him that uh, D cannons are D six plus two damage, and he thought they were just D six plus one, um, which is a good reminder that we are playing a new edition of Warhammer, folks. And just because you think rules are a certain way, if someone challenges you on it, don't be like, no, 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 no. Be like, okay, you know, I'll look, look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Because these yeah. are different. Yep. Give the benefit of the doubt for sure. Yep. Uh, as for how many oo-woos out of 10 uh, for hometown, um, I don't know. I think I gave them an 8 out of 10 last year. And I think my biggest gripe for the 8 out of 10 was uh, like just the cost of the ticket. Um, and so if we look at this year, the ticket was the same. And I think the level of service was the same, right? They had great food. The beer was actually better this year, and there was more of it, and it was good on day two, right? Like, that's important. Uh, the, Absolutely. The food was good. They had unlimited snacks. So, like, if you need, you know, a little bit of sugar to get you up, uh, if you're getting a little hangry, uh, if you just want a Rice Krispie Square, uh, that's there. If you want a pop, you don't have to pay for one. You just go get one. That's, that's there, too. That's always nice. Yeah. Um, they had impeccable terrain. I think that... Like, outside of, you know, our Trident Wargaming events, that they have the best terrain out of any tournament I've played in locally ever. Right? Like, yeah, they, they uh, source a lot of it from TAPS, I believe. So, And, and that's a good partnership, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, terrain has long been an issue for all events. Uh, and, you know, with, with some events in the city, you know there's not going to be enough terrain, so you build a list to accommodate that. Here, yeah. I think that there's the perfect amount. I don't think I played on a table where I'm like, I wish I had more terrain. Yep. That's no, I mean, awesome that was here. a huge thing. That was a huge thing and still is with Trident. I mean, we pride ourselves on the fact that we've gone out of our way to have a really, 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 really good terrain set, uh, which is currently in the process of also getting updated for 10th. Um, so no, I thought their terrain was excellent, especially with you consider, like I said, uh, <laughs> it was Thursday when, I mean, they had already gotten their terrain, no doubt, but it was Thursday when they figured out how they were going to use it. So. Yep. Uh, they also had like extra objective markers, extra clocks, um... Like, you know, I think the only thing they didn't have was someone in the bathroom offering you cologne or to wipe your hands because I think they had everything else covered. They did. They did run out of out of paper towel. Yeah, that was that was a big deal. <laughs> I I only use the women's washroom at the events because they're always cleaner. So, yeah, I noticed that. You know. 
<clears throat> Anyhow. I don't. I should. You should. You could. <laughs> no one's gonna bother you if you gotta go, you know, take a mm-hmm. take a number two. Um how many out of ten? I I think we still have to go with a. I, th- I think we're gonna up it from last year. Uh from, from that eight. I think we're gonna give it nine. Nine uwus. Now here's why. Uh, I acknowledge that they are the first tenth edition tournament, and I think they played it really well. Uh, I mm-hmm. think their day of organization was stellar. Um, I think that anytime you had to call a judge, they made good rulings, and they made a good ruling post event with a you know a pretty dramatic issue. But I still feel like a hundred dollars for a ticket is a lot, and I don't know. I don't like. Maybe I'm just being a whiner. That that's a possibility because like the hall is nice. Uh, they have like a lot of trophies where you get a little plinth and a model on it. Uh, winners of those trophies get a gift card, two taps of $50. And everyone who attends gets a $20 uh, gift card to taps or store credit, right? But like, what if you just charged me 80 and I didn't get the $20 store credit? I know that functionally it's the same, that uh, $100 and $80 with store credit is the same amount of money. Well, but like that's... it is and it isn't, but... Yeah, right. you're still there. coming up with the hundred up front yeah. versus eighty, but I I, so, I get the reasoning. What can they do to make it a ten out of ten event? Probably nothing. Probably just me being a whiner. It probably is a ten out of ten uh, event, like all things considered. You know, you got your food, you got your drinks. Um, it, it was well ran, had good terrain, but like that hundred dollar price ticket, man. I don't know. What if, it's, uh, what, if, what, if what if they made it ninety nine ninety nine? Oh, I'm in ten out of ten. There you go. Okay. Okay, so maybe if Steve or Tommy hears this, they can they can take that under advisement. No, I think I think <laughs> I think uh, no matter what, like you, if you're if you're somebody who's ever been on the fence about going, go. It's it's a great great event. Yeah, uh, you'll have a great time. I'll, I'll be honest. Listening listening to the excitement over the weekend and you know following along on uh, BCP uh, I have not gone to a hometown before. I've heard a lot about them. Um, I'll probably sign up next year. Yeah. Be able to yeah, go great. in and come compete. And, uh, you know, hats off to Tom and Steve for running a good, successful event. Like, congrats, guys. It did sound very successful. Uh, 42 players, I believe, was the count, which is awesome. Yep. Like, pulling down some serious numbers. And uh, I, I think that's realistically what Edmonton needs. We, we need to have bigger events like this. Um, and it's nice to see these guys still, you know, rocking out and growing and improving on what they have innovating. done last year. Yeah, innovating. They're, this round, they were pioneers, right? They really blazed yep. the trail. So uh, kudos to you guys. And, yeah, we're going to take what we can and learn from it and hopefully make some changes and adapt our uh, stuff for our 10th uh, edition event here in August for Iron Within. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to jumping in uh, next round and uh, – just you know, rolling dice with everybody. So I think it'll be pretty sweet. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything I had yeah. on the, the docket for things to talk about. So some other things we got to thank our patreons. We I, I I did hit them. I I've got them on there. Um, another big thing is a uh, segment after this is Andy and I kind of chatting about our first game of tenth. Uh, we ended up playing Incursion, 1,000 points each. Uh, rocked out with tactical uh, objectives. We got to fumble fuck our way through the game. And uh, it took a little longer than the two hours suggested in the book. Um, but it, it was a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that if you're interested. Yeah, if you're, if you're um, looking for an in-depth dive on uh, on 
learning to play 10th edition 40k that segment's what you're looking for there yeah it'll be good so and yeah right, just folks. yeah thanks for uh tuning in and listening to us chat about 10th edition in hometown so as you uh see this wherever you see it if it's on podbean if it's on youtube wherever it is just hit us in the comments about like what are your initial impressions of 10th edition um are they similar to ours are you experiencing our our takes if you went to hometown how did you feel about it um and if if you know what are some things that you would like out of a tournament? I think if anyone was asking me, like, hey, Arthur, if you could go to a tournament, what would you like? Here, here are two things. Number one, yep. the old out-of-the-basement beer steins. I love that! Fill me up a beer stein! You, you win a trophy from them, it's a, it's a beer stein. You can take it to any one of their events, and uh, they fill it up. That event doesn't really happen anymore. I miss it dearly. The other thing out-of-the-basement did that no one else did was they took donations. They took yep. uh, donations to the food bank. And I think that, that every tournament that could, maybe should. I saw Pendleton walking around with one of those steins all weekend. So his best general, he's got a funny story about that. You should ask him about that. He does. He does. Uh, I think that's going to take us out. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay tuned for Bill and Andy's tenth edition recap. It's definitely a, a segment you're going to want to hear. All right, all right. We are back. Uh, the dice have been rolled. The scores have been tallied, and we got through our first day, first game of tenth uh, edition, forty k. Uh, Andy and I threw down and it was, uh, it was interesting. It was a pretty, um, interesting way to play. Uh, we ended up rocking out an incursion game. Um, just pretty much played mission a, uh, rolled through all that. And, uh, we ended up both picking tactical objectives for this round. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that way, I guess, uh, what army were you uh, were you playing there, Handy? So uh, dusted off the chaos demons uh, that I had collected and painted up uh, to Zinch mainly, uh, actually all of it. Um, so yeah, dusted them off, made a, a an army with the app, which I thought was actually really really good. I really liked the app myself. Uh, it helped me out a lot in the game by able to go and check on things and then what's what and bring up rules. Um, like I know, I know Bill had like his sheets all printed out. Um, I just didn't have time today to do it kind of thing. But so, yeah, I just, uh, I used the app. It was pretty good. Uh, selected a whole bunch of the units that I thought I would like to, to try out and play. Um, uh, didn't take any uh, big old fate weaver or anything <laughs> this time around. I uh, decided to go with the Changeling and uh, a couple other characters, uh, Fluxmaster and Changecaster. So it's interesting with the game, um, just going through the different units. A um, couple of units of, of the Pink Horrors, uh, some Flamers, some Screamers, Burning Chariot, uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a, a bit of a selection of, of different Tizinch, uh units. So for a thousand points, there was actually a fair bit. So I thought that was pretty neat. Um, how about yourself, Bill? You had played your Drakari? I did, yeah. I brought out the uh, Drakari. It was my second game ever. Uh, the last time I played them was when you and I played the last game of pretty much ninth that I played. Yeah. And uh, we were kind of, you know, teaching you the ropes, and uh, it did not go well for me. So this game was a little bit of a revenge game. Yep, so some I was, revenge I was, game. I was glad it uh, worked out like that. Um, fair enough. Yeah. I took a decent selection, uh, of my Jakari. 
I was able to test out my Archon and Beastmaster, which was really, really cool squad. A lot of fun. Uh, Ravagers were really neat. The Raider was a nice transport to rip around with. Uh, the Scourge, the Reavers were fun. Uh, the Kronos definitely is like a must take. If you're not taking that Kronos, so you're not getting your four plus uh, recycling of your pain tokens, you're doing it wrong. Uh, pain tokens were extremely powerful. Uh, they've made my army feel very, like, very good. Uh, also, just um, with Eldari bullshit, being able to spend a CP for the Quicksilver reflexes, minus one to hit uh, rolls was awesome. And I pretty much used that exact strat pretty much every turn. It It's like, why wouldn't you use it, I guess, is kind of a... <laughs> Kind of a question, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just let it rip. Um, the Art of Pain as an enhancement that I picked up for my Archon was a lot of fun and definitely worth it as well. You're getting a free pain token every command phase as long as your Archon's on the board. Uh, it was good. It was good. I was probably refunding about half of my pain tokens that I was actually spending. Um, having everything really close to my... Really close to my... Uh, Chronos, uh, so that was pretty. That was pretty sweet. Um, for the most part, the way the games went, it it was very back and forth. There was a lot of uh, kind of like slow grind, and it was it was kind of <laughs> hey buddy, it was kind of cool. Just um, checking, just just seeing what the squads actually were doing. Now it was really neat. Like I, I liked I liked being able to look at the index and actually play. Hey bud. So, uh, yeah, the game the game was super cool. It was a lot of fun. It was uh, really good. It, uh, it there's a lot of things that happened in the game, uh, especially our first game, and like actually learning our rules and and playing these units and and adjusting to what these units can do and whatnot. I found it really interesting on both of our sides where we had some game mechanics that really kind of messed with each other a bit like as an example with like the pink horrors them being able to split into blue horrors and then of course the brimstone um like bill had a, a hard time trying to really knock these units out especially like in the middle objective that we were fighting over it yeah. was just you killed three yet all of a sudden it's like i got four back kind of thing so i'm still kind of I'm still there. I'm still entrenched and contesting the objective. There was a point where I was, I actually took the objective away from you in the center a little late, but you know, uh, it still happened. Right. Um, yeah. but the one big thing that I've, I've taken from it is definitely, and I know this was our first, you know, um, game and, and I'm fairly new back in the 40 K as well is, is definitely going over your units and going over the abilities and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And like the attacks, but especially the ability, like the, the other abilities that your units slash like characters have, right? Like, um, our, our friend Alex was with us there too, checking things out. And, uh, yeah. he had mentioned to me about the screamers ability of, of flying over uh, a unit and actually doing mortal wounds, right? That actually could be a lot better than just trying to get in there in combat. Right. So stuff like that uh, was pretty neat. Um, I do really like the mechanics um, 
especially coming from playing a little bit of eighth, not really playing ninth because I wasn't really digging forty k. But now going through the rules and like seeing the interactions of the units, seeing the interaction of the actual gameplay, and especially with doing these objectives and and like the 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 tactical cards and stuff like that that um, you have to get points for right where. Before, in my mind, I had it where I didn't really care for, like, trying to score the 100 points. Like, it just seemed like there was too much going on, right? And and maybe there was. Um, like, I, like I said, I wasn't really a ninth player. But this seemed quite simple enough, but there's still meat to that part of the game. There's still things that you got to think about your tactical setting where your units are are you going to take that even like the demonic incursion i didn't use it for like a few turns where i could have used it and actually utilized that unit of, of pink horrors with my um change caster got him in there to start supporting my other units right so again there's those mechanics that you really do have to try to remember and and get going but it was really enjoyable you know uh, i had a lot of fun with it it was really cool to to bust out a game and and bring these models back out and play um you know and there's a couple of little uh, different abilities that you kind of go through and and realize oh this would be good for this you know like uh having this uh, stealth and like also the um or the lone operative right where you can literally kind of float over and take an objective and not really worried about being shot unless these guys get super close to you kind of thing you know yeah. Stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> it really emphasizes on, on like, you're really looking at how you can score your max points in that battle round compared to, you know, you're just taking a, units out, right? Now you're starting to look at more tactical stuff. Okay, well, if I take that unit, I can possibly knock them off the objective and take that, you know, that kind of stuff. Or... And I zip over here, take that unit out, and now I got it, you know? Um, so, like, super fun for that. I, I really like it. I think going forward, um, I'll definitely be playing more 40K for sure, uh, getting involved and and playing these games and trying the different units. And, and the beautiful thing with demons is, <clears throat> you know, like, I got four different gods that I can play around with, right? So I can find some kind of combination of it that's going to work for me, right? And then also like seeing other units uh, and other armies. Like this is the first time I've actually even really come across Drakari in I don't know years, right? And even in past editions. But super fun game, cool little abilities. Uh, another big thing that I found, especially with the way I had my army built, I am fairly short ranged, right? Um, Eighteen inch range is not a lot. No. <laughs> Right and not a lot of high strength weaponry, high output damage. Right, because what I think I knocked out one of your units. Yep. So, you know that being said, <clears throat> something to work on. Right, something to look at. See if I can amplify that. But I mean, I did. I I got. I did score. What forty eight, forty nine points. Yeah. For a first game, uh, I was pretty happy at that. So, <laughs> I mean, I didn't think I was going to get past 20, right? So, um, but yeah, super fun. 
looking forward to more of it for sure. What and, uh, uh, what would you say your MVP like unit would be for your in your list? Um, well, so probably the screamers, right? They they did enough damage to to finally knock out a the ravager, yeah. which got got them a point. Um, they were kind of a they were a threat to you, so you, you had to concentrate a fair bit, right? You had to concentrate a fair bit onto them, and um, yeah. They allowed some other units to kind of keep to the back and, and keep scoring. I mean, they grabbed the objective right off the bat, and then they zoomed up and, and did some damage. Uh, whereas a lot of the other units were kind of more, they got into position, tried to do some damage, and they just kind of got grinded down, even though it took a lot of time. Yeah. Right? You know? So, what about you? What um, would you say is yours? The MVP, honestly, I I think the I think it's going to be that uh, that Beastmaster squad. Mm-hmm. It was just it was a really neat squad. They can tank a lot of damage. It's a twenty wound squad essentially. Um, they've got a multiple different uh, profiles of attacks. Um, everything from the razor wing birds all the way up to Claude Fiendly. Everything's doing multiple attacks, which is really fun to bust out. Um, that was it was just an all around cool unit that was able to do more than I, I actually gave it credit for. I just threw it in the list because I was like, ah, we'll see how it goes, and it was actually pretty good. Um, I guess, in terms of the squad, I didn't like, um, in my list was because I kind of used it improperly. Was my scourges, I uh, I ended up not taking advantage of my uh, sticky objectives on my Calibite Warriors. And I kind of had them out of position, so I was forced to use my scourges to hold the objective where I, I would move up on a piece of terrain, fire, and then use its ability to drop back down because uh, it was right kind of in the corner, which was nice. But I learned real quick that that was not what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to have those scourge flying around the board and getting angles with those dark lances and trying to pick off characters or whatever the case may be. Uh, so that's one thing that I'll definitely keep in mind for next time. Um, overall, though, yeah, it was it was a really good game. I guess what is what's the one thing in, in your list you didn't like? I'd have to say my flamers, only because of my own damn fault. <laughs> um, they kind of got I tucked them away in a little bit of a corner, and like twice, twice I ended up just not using them. Right, like I could have utilized them better. Um, they soak up some shots and lost a guy right off the bat, and then the next turn it was just like they just got wiped. Um, so I didn't really care for them. There was also, and I think a lot of this was just probably playing them wrong uh, again, like with the demon incursion, where I can actually, you know, um, essentially corrupt an objective and then move off of it. I, I didn't do that enough. Because I was holding two objectives where I could have easily done it, uh, you know, and then moved off and and started actually supporting the rest of my army. Because it kind of led to, I ended up feeding you one unit on the one side, yeah. trying to do, trying to do some damage against your 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 beast pack there, and it was just I couldn't I didn't have the output I didn't have the, enough damage to 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 really do it to that unit. 
Yeah. And then they got whittled down and then they kind of, they got engaged and backed off. And then I had to force my other unit to come up towards the end of the game. So, you know, beginning of the game, the first couple of turns, I was scoring decently. Like I was in the lead for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can start to see that you were like, you start catching up almost on par with me. And then you just took over and took off. Yeah. And I have, I felt that with the way the army was it, it built and probably you'd need a mixture of different stuff. I just did not have the output towards the last few turns of the game to actually do better damage to you to start scoring points, right? Yeah. Um, Because, like, there was, what, two turns? I wasn't able to score any points except for holding the one objective. Yeah. Yeah, which which can definitely be a little bit of a pain. The last last couple turns, I was able to score all my primaries, uh, which was nice. It gave me a bit of a a bump up, obviously, when we were playing. Um, I have to admit, your army, the one squad I really didn't like was those pink horrors. Like, very hard to shift, very hard to kill. Um, as soon as I'm popping a pink horror, two blues are popping up, and then a brimstone after that, and it was just like, holy. Like, it took a lot of concentrated firepower to move those squads off objectives or away from where I wanted them, uh, which is awesome. Like, they're very hard to deal with, and I, I, I liked the way that they played. They seemed really tanky a good backfield kind of unit to hold your deployment zone. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and the one thing too, like the one thing with the army I did like was just, I I don't care about your piercing, you know, like I don't care whatever value you have minus one, minus two. I, I'm, it's always going to be on my invulnerable safe. So essentially it's just like, okay, this is what you did. Okay. You know, I'm just rolling saves. That's it. Yeah. Right. Which is, is cool. Even though it's, as a maybe somebody who's just getting into the game, maybe not one of the best armies to really show you what the game has in it, right? Um, so it's it's a mechanic that is just, it's kind of like demons are like this. This is what they got. They really don't have regular armor saves until you get, like, to higher characters. But mm. um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's entertaining. Uh, I'm actually super hyped and excited to, like, get more games going um we did a thousand points right so you know we're going to go larger now to 2000 which is what guys are playing yeah and it's just going to bring bring more to the table and more games and more excitement and uh also uh, just to check out what you can do with your army like you're this is a brand new army for you so you're getting used to it you know um i'm just jumping back in after not playing 40k for years essentially um, so there's going to be a lot of good times, right? You know, and, uh, it's a beautiful thing is just, you have everything at your fingertips to, to really soak into and, and figure out your, your uh, mojo with your army, you know? So, you know, I'm, I'm going to be coming after Scotty B and Arthur, of course. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, but, it, it, but it's cool. Cause like we, even though our game was really long, um, we definitely went through a lot of things and the thought process and going through the mechanics of the game. And I, and I really do like it. And I was actually telling one of the other guys that after going through the rule book of the game, it's really 
clean and straightforward compared to some other games that are out there, including games made by GW as well. And uh, I'm actually quite really impressed. Like, I, I really like it. You know, this is what will bring me back into 40K for, for myself, right? So, uh, but definitely excited to, to check out different different units and play them on the battlefield, you know? Um, I'll, I'm also coming after Ryan and his knights, so oh. beware. Damn, he's just um, throwing out grudge matches everywhere. <laughs> well, we're, we're, that's what's going to happen, right? It's true, it's true. Go go out for events and stuff too, and then have a beer afterward, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, your, uh, your, your army, when I first, your army, when it was first on the board, I was telling you, I'm like, Ooh, you got a lot of guns. You yeah. are definitely going to outrange me. Right. But because I didn't really have a lot of units that had like multiple wounds minus, you know, flamers, screamers, and like the burning chariot. Uh, most of it was pink horrors on the board, essentially, yeah. right? So your high your high caliber weapons, even though they were wounded and stuff, it wasn't to me. It didn't seem like it was just a huge impact, and maybe it's because of my four plus invulnerable. And you know, uh, if you're firing into horror squads, I wasn't too worried because they could split. Yeah. Um. So it didn't really seem like holy crap. That's that's too devastating that's too overpowered stuff like that um but there was other abilities like your quicksilver right that really messed with me, right my hitting with weapons and stuff and shooting it's not the greatest um but you just made one step worse so it was harder for me to to definitely land the hits and 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 whatnot so it's 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 cool to see the mechanics. The pain tokens, I think, were awesome on your side. Yeah. Uh, being able to distribute those and then use them and utilize them for whatever you need to kind of thing, however the mechanics work, right? Um, the shadow or the uh, for the demons there didn't really come into effect because I wasn't really holding objectives and you weren't really in uh, my zone making any, um, you know, uh, was it the break checks or the, uh, Oh, battle shock, battle shock, the battle shock. See, so it didn't really take effect. And like, I didn't really make very many battle shock tests either. No, they didn't. Right. They didn't really seem to do a whole lot of, uh, impact on the game, uh, which is fine. I've, I've heard it kind of back and forth that the battle shocks don't really do a whole lot for you. So. They they didn't have much to contribute for this particular um, game, but I can see why the battle shocks can be useful when mm -hmm. they actually do go off. But I can see you definitely don't want to bank on it. Yeah, more often than not, they're probably going to pass. Well, that's just it because like some of my two of my characters had uh, things that would force you to take a battle shock test, and one would put a negative on you plus using the demon uh rules as well but like again like i said there wasn't really there wasn't that opportunity that really presented itself because it, it just didn't happen so you know it, it's kind of some of those rules that could easily slip your mind but yeah it's not coming up like i wasn't 
I didn't do enough damage to you to force you to really do that stuff, except for when we got into close combat. And exactly out of attrition, it just kind of happened, right? So yeah. Um, so that's one thing that's kind of like, well, maybe we'll see that more in, in larger games. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, right? So, but, but yeah, it was uh, super fun. I uh, had a good time. Oh, um, I did too. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Can't too. wait till the next one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, two game, two K games on the horizon for sure. Uh, I've got another league match here happening. When you're listening to this, my listeners, it'll be tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll tell you how you that go. that big first two K game goes. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to getting more reps in for sure. Um, especially after you know hearing about the big. The big uh, uh, event over on the weekend, the hometown. A lot of the guys yeah. said it yeah. was a blast. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to jumping in with you guys, rolling dice, uh, you know, playing under that team Trident name, and uh, trying to trying to kick some ass. So I I, I look forward to to getting more uh, games in for sure. Oh, likewise, it will be uh, be good times. Get some reps in and get used to the army and, and, and start yeah. playing and, and becoming more efficient with the army and, and seeing stuff come out. So be nice to play, you know, at the club there on, on the Thursday nights, um, doing that. And then whatever other leagues are happening and groups that are playing and tournaments, uh, eventually get into that too, after, you know, a little bit of practice and, and this and that. So, um, yeah, and then meeting the community, more of the guys in the community. I already know a few, quite a few of them, but to actually like sit down and play some 40k with guys that are I see every day or every gaming night playing 40k across from me as I'm playing bolt action, right? So yeah, um, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. And uh, you know, anybody who's having thoughts of coming into 40k again or for the first time, uh, it's worth worth it, worth trying to play it and try it out and and enjoy it because it, it seems like it's very fast, enjoyable, um, and there's also the tactical side of it too. So, and the models are great. So, yeah. I, I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just want to give a quick shout out to the patrons. Uh, we really appreciate the support, guys. We got Frederick, uh, Dustin, Chris, and Tyler. So, yeah, with the four of you guys supporting us. Um, it's much appreciated. We're going to be looking at ways on growing the program. I think we're actually, we've been talking about doing a VIP channel in the discord, which is just for going to be for patrons only. It'll be the exclusive membership club, uh, not in the grotto. That's next step. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> for now we'll start with discord anyways, where we can start having kind of, uh, you can have a chat with the actual crew from Trident and kind of maybe get the inside leg on upcoming episodes and kind of what things are going to be uh, happening and maybe just have a think tank session, you know, bounce some list ideas, bounce some system ideas. If you've got stuff you want to just chat with us about specifically, we're uh, definitely looking forward to doing that with you. Um, and we'll just develop that as we continue to go. I think it can go as high as it goes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, we'll definitely uh, have some more 40 key action for you. Later on, I know upcoming this weekend is that Trios team event. Uh, the boys are going to be rolling down there. 
looking to uh, score some more clout for Team Trident. Uh, I know we're going to be fumbling around with our uh, some slow grow Titanicus, and then obviously trying to shoehorn some more 40k in there somewhere. So uh, it should be yeah an exciting weekend, and then we're getting all prepped for our Iron Within GT coming up mid August. That's August 19th and 20th, which is going to be a 40 man player GT event, uh, 10th edition. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to discuss about terrain and the way we're going to do some of these layouts. Um, I think we've got a pretty solid plan, but we're going to have to chat, you know, the, the four horsemen off the chat about how we want to actually execute this. We, we essentially want to put on one of the better, best events we've ever put on. And we really want to come out swinging out of the gate to make sure that we've adapted and made the proper changes that we need to for 10th. Um, yeah. especially with the new terrain demands and the way that ruins are kind of more um, strict in sense of smaller ruins yet bigger footprints to allow uh, vehicles and other unit interactions to actually make sense. Um, also, you got the uh, preset, predetermined template, uh, terrain templates that Games Workshop is now, I guess, using as an example from that uh, GT document they dropped. So oh, there's, the table setup. Yeah, there's yep. four different templates you can use, and obviously the each mission has one to three, I believe, uh, templates that are good for that. So we want to go through everything and make sure we've got enough the proper terrain and the right terrain so we can step out with our best foot forward and make the event the best it can be. So it should be good. But yeah, much appreciated, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, always hit us up in the comments. We appreciate it. And we will catch you guys next time. Yeah. Did you plug the Patreon? We need to plug the Patreon.